2: And welcome back to National Modern. I am your host,
0: Alex Kessler, here with a special co-host. Hello, DeQuan. How are you? Good. I don't know how special I am, but I can definitely talk a lot. So hopefully yeah. that's good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> On its own, a special skill set, as uh, or at least I like to tell myself that as a person who can also talk a lot. Um, so very quickly, just for, for, for uh, those joining the cast uh, that uh, don't know, uh, can you uh, introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, My name is Daquan, but otherwise I go by Power Dragon pretty much everywhere online. Uh, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N because it's spelled funny. Funny story to that we can probably talk about later. (laughs) But I do a bunch of YouTubing, so I feel like I probably did YouTube to an unhealthy level. I think now I'm at almost like 1,200 videos in just over two years, something like that. So like pretty ridiculous numbers. Uh, But uh, I also do some streaming. I have a podcast called Color of Magic. And otherwise, I'm just a great follow on social media. You know, I like to do some charity work and I do some commentary stuff too. So I'm kind of everywhere right now. COVID has been a very busy time for me. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you would think that
2: make COVID would have made people's lives less busy, but it ended up if you're, especially if you're making content, it was like, oh, now I have more
0: free time to monetize. Uh, (laughs) well, you know, I I think it was for me, man, if you don't mind, I will just go into a little thing here, but like, no, go for it. For me, it was about, it was really about timing, right? I had just been released from my last job. Uh, It literally was the week before Thanksgiving in in 2019. And I just started the podcast, maybe like I think we were maybe like eight episodes in something like that. It was still fairly new. And I just started streaming maybe a month before. So like as we kind of rolled in, I had they gave me a nice severance and I had some money set aside. And I was like, okay. as we approached like late January, I remember saying, well, what if I just make a go of this full time for content? And if I can get to where I can pay 70 percent of my bills by the end of the first year, I'll keep doing it. And like, mm-hmm. if not, I'll move on to something else. Right. So I actually had this whole plan. I started contacting retailers that I knew, people running conventions, you know, because I was like, OK, let me do some content about like the business side of the industry because like mm-hmm. nobody's doing that. And then, of course, like three weeks later, it's like, oh, yeah, there's this COVID thing going around. And we might have to shut some stuff down. Right. So <laughs> by the time we got to the middle of March, everything was done. Like I plane flights canceled. I literally still have like business cards and other stuff I bought, that I've like never touched, like just just never had an opportunity to use
2: it. I literally had to find my business cards for the first time yesterday. I was like, oh, like last week we went to a Gamma, which is a game show. And I like didn't didn't know where they were and had to like dig in storage in our office being like, ah,
0: (laughs) a boulder went by Indiana Jones style and I found my business cards. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, so for me, it was like, I really set and evaluated, like what are the opportunities going to be, right? I said, okay, well, my podcast is probably going to get a few less views or listens because people aren't commuting anymore, right? They're not waiting at the airport to take a flight, you know, like things where we always listen to our podcast. I was like, okay, well, let me double down on the other stuff because now people are at home. They're going to be watching Hulu and YouTube and maybe watching streamers or whatever. And it was also understanding that other people are also going to attempt to do this, right? Because some are gonna be looking for extra income, not realizing how long it takes you to monetize some of it, but they're gonna be looking for extra income. And then there's also going to be people that are just bored. You know, they're home, they don't have anything to do. So it's like, let's take all that into consideration and let's double down on everything. And fortunately for me, it's worked out. So I can't really complain.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it 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 was really wild watching the like transition of magic content and content in general, but magic content between really since like 2015 to now, but like during that COVID era was kind of that big thing. And it kind of is a lead into what our conversation is because, you know, the the, the transition, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and I've, I've been on the uh, Shivan's podcast. I think we did an entire episode just like about this, but how like magic fame, and I'm going to use big bunny ears around sure. that word, uh, used to be LSV, Brian Kibler, Uh Patrick Chapin, Sam Black, you know, Ari Lax, like Magic Pro players. Who's showing up at the Pro Tour? Who's doing well there? And then maybe they would get article deals with Star City Games and Channel Fireball or whatever, ever post fact. In the last five years, the transition towards casual content creators or at a minimum, you know, more personality-based content creators than result oriented content creators has been massive. You have, you know, now you have the Olivia's and cosplayers and Shivam. and no longer is like BDM. The person you think of, like as the expert of the history of magic, it's Shivam Who's the history of the history of, of, of magic and because he's a commander expert versus a pro tour expert, And, and it's, it's wild how, and then like COVID kind of just put that last, like as the MPL experiment, which was already kind of a flight, a failed system really started to show at seems tournament magic shut down.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because that's also one of the things I was factoring in not so much for magic at the time, but I was looking at a bunch of different online industries because mm-hmm. even when I do my content, I view it in scope of gaming, not in scope of magic, right? Sure. Because gamers are bad at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what can I do better than gamers as a whole and bring something different to the table? So I spent a lot of time studying, like, people that do stuff completely different than I'm aware of. Because I want to see, like, what is somebody else doing to make information I know nothing about work?
1: Mm -hmm. And then
0: can I incorporate any of that into my magic content? And in doing so, I realized that same thing was happening across every gaming industry. Right. Like, these names were less names than people thought. And it was because we lived in a world where those were the only people getting attention for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. Be a news story happened, or somebody would write a Forbes article or whatever. It was always about this guy or this person who made this much money,
1: mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm.
0: won this trophy or whatever. But as technology got better and everybody's got better computers and more people are streaming, and the conversation starts to become like, oh, well, what about this professor guy? You know, what about these guys over at game nights? Like, right. what about this covert go blue dude or whatever? And it's like, okay, well, now I can follow this person every day on my phone. Right. Right like and you're seeing that, you know, whether you're talking about League of Legends or Counter-Strike or whatever, like I tell people always challenge people, find a casual player who plays whatever game it is and ask them who the name 10 of the top 50 pros or best players at that game in the world. Most of them can't do it. Yeah, absolutely not. But if you ask them who are 10 of the top 20 or top 30 like streamers or creators in a thing. I bet you they can name at least five or six.
2: Right. <laughs> like, well, and, and what's wild about magic is that that for a while those are the same people, right? Like the top ten yeah. magic players were the top ten content creators. And I think it's it's one of the things that's interesting about it is it's is why. And it it's changing, right? What happened with SCG like is a drastic shift on what this meant. But magic for a long time was the best monetized independently monetized game for content creation out there, right? Like when I was playing League of Legends in 2010, the websites you had access to weren't very good. And it's because if I made a website about League of Legends, I had no monetization sure. I was viewed yeah, your viewership, right? And yeah. and magic. It's like, oh, no, I don't need to advertise a single thing. I'm selling magic cards. If I if I have PV, write an article about why actually blue black is the best deck in standard right now. A bunch of
0: grinders are going to buy all of the cards they need for blue black from my website. <laughs> but, it, but it's even a step further than that. Like, say you're Star City, right? You're not just selling cards. You're getting a captive audience that's going to sell you cards that you can profit on later. Right. You're also promoting events that people are going to come spend money with you. right? Like, there's, there's all these other bits of revenue you're getting. You know, you're getting to sign up for premium memberships. You're getting to like all these other things because those people exist there. But right. for a lot of the video games, it's literally just ads on the site and that's it.
2: Yeah. And and that's why for gaming, I think for a long time, you, you were really celebrating streamers, right? You, it was, it was mm-hmm. like people playing along it. It was celebrities that were like personality people talking about the game, not necessarily the best Smash player in the world versus Magic, where for a long time it was that pro player scene. And then as... Like content creators started figuring out and, you know, the, the the command zone was a big part of that. Prof is a big part of that. Wedge was a big part of that. On like figuring out ways to make exciting to watch content about magic that more people figured it out. People started streaming it. People started yep. cosplaying it. People started doing events. And, you know, that that world definitely became a fascinating thing to watch. And I still don't think magic knows how to deal with it. I think like every day the world is learning wizards is learning and people around magic are learning like oh what do we do with for the last 20 years we've been working off of the best magic player writes an article and people will read it and then they will buy cards from us and now it's like oh the people people are actually following are tappy who's going to comment about how great xyz card is in joyra who's busted (laughs) and then tell you about
0: taco bell
2: (laughs) and then tell you about taco bell and why everyone should be buying (laughs) yeah exactly so it's like how do we figure that out but, I, but it, I
0: think that's the thing right for as much as people have complained about wizards decisions like i've actually been one that said i don't think they're necessarily wrong i didn't think they needed to do the MPL to begin with sure i, oh, and, I agree All right, and yeah, yeah, yeah. i to this day I had people still fight me on it but i generally don't think they needed to do it and part of the reason is you were never going to be able to monetize that group because most gamers are not personalities mm-hmm. like that's it at the end of the day nobody i mean they're great players and most of them are awesome human beings. But they are not personalities. And the well, ones they- that are, are going to be able to market themselves anyway. Right. Like people that- forget, Wizards did a whole weekend where they flew people in and they had Kibler come out and try to explain to them, like, this is what you do for streaming. And we're going to train you how to speak to stuff and whatever. And they still went out and were like, yeah, we don't want to stream. Like, yeah. okay, cool. We're going to pay you less money, but you got to play these tournaments, you know, once a month or whatever. And they're like, right. yeah, that- that's too many events I have to prepare for or whatever. Oh, it's like, okay, well. At what What point do you want to do anything other than just play games? Right. You know, like, well, and, and like the,
2: the MPL hat, like. Because the other, the other thing to point out is sports, right? Like that, that's the, the like best players in the world aren't playing sports but that's almost the reason there are there are regional teams (laughs) Sure, you don't need not every basketball player needs that not every great basketball player needs to have a great personality but the ones that don't are on the lakers and people will bleed for the lakers
0: regardless of how great but but even beyond beyond that like the existence of those teams sells you know Whatever, $400,000 worth of oh, tickets yeah. every night, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, Those like, are a bad example I mean. there, maybe, because that's like yeah. the, the easiest. <laughs> but. Well, and the other thing I try to explain to people, too, even when we're trying to compare to other esports, the companies that manufacture the games don't pay the players directly. They'll put up the prize money and they'll organize the big events or they'll run conventions or whatever. But it's individual companies or teams or whatever that have resources to actually house, and some of them house teams together. Where they go train and do all this stuff or whatever, you know, do their PR, whatever, because they know that's the only way we're getting our money out of these folks, right? We've, and that's why I told you I said, Wizards does not need to be the one to pay the players. like I, And I told people, I said, if the players are valuable enough or Magic is valuable enough in that aspect, somebody else will pick up the ball and run with it and pay right. these people. But right. nobody's done it.
2: And and there was, like, opportunities for it to happen. I think one of the issues is that Wizards has weird advertising rules with, like, what sponsors can sponsor what, right? And that's what esports gets away with a little bit better is that it's, it's more open to, like, Red Bull being a sponsorship or, you know, what can be a- advertised to kids versus not kids, etc. There's also a level of just, like, Wizards was fine with how things were working for a long time and momentum-wise. And then they, like, there was enough of a push of, like, hey these pro players are of the opinion that they're giving enough effort to be a pro player. It should be a thing that they can do full time. And the argument has always been, no, you become, and this is the point before, right? You become a pro player because it gives you a platform. You can now charge SEG, Channel Fireball, Cool Stuff, Inc., TCG Player, whatever, a rate to have you make content. And then that's,
0: that now you're a pro player. The but part the of, of the player is, is marketing yourself. <laughs> if you're a personality and are willing to put in the hustle. Right. Right. You know, and, and a lot of people it. aren't. Well, because it's different skill sets.
2: Being good at magic is not being a good content creating hustler. And what we yeah. could have done is given better tools to people to do that and like create because like what, what Riot does do, right? Is it like, oh, we have a ladder. That creates a system that shows us who are the best League of Legends players in the world, and we now have systems to funnel those players to the organizations that will then help them exist as the best League of Legends player in the oh, world. Oh yeah,
0: but but Magic players as a whole, I don't think we even understand how much better you're already monetized. Like if you go look, there's not very many. Oh yeah, League of sure. Legends players or CS:GO players or Teamfight Tactics players making any real money playing competitively. Oh,
2: the amount of the amount of people making money on Magic that have not that that are not being paid by wizards of the coast is insurmountably larger oh, than huge. any other game that isn't a professional like that isn't football
0: basketball like you know things that like high school sports exist Dude, I, okay here's a thing that people may not know and i only know this because when i had my store we were running some video game tournaments for a while and i put together like okay we'll be like i don't know i think it was like a 15 or 20 dollar entry fee we're gonna do like X percentage to first, this much second, you know, whatever. And we had the whole structure laid out, all that. And I think we're doing it was a a Halo tournament and a Smash Brothers tournament. Mm -hmm. And people literally came to me and were like, well, is this real? And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, because I thought I was like being a little bit cheap, maybe. And I'm like, well, let's just be safe in case we don't get the attendance or whatever. Right. And even being what I thought was overly conservative. Was light years better than everything these people were playing in for these other video game tournaments, and I was like, "What?" So I went looking around, and a bunch of them have like high entry fees, where like you know something like twenty or thirty percent goes back to the player pool, and they're running till like two and three in the morning, and sometimes like third place isn't even getting a cash prize; they're getting like you know here's a new controller or something or right, whatever. Right, right. Product I'm like, "This is bananas!" Right, and. Because the way people were talking, I just assumed that, like, you know, knowing who the high-ranked players were, these people were kind of, like, doing the circuit or whatever within the state and blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, they're doing the circuit, but they're not making anything. Mm -hmm. And you can go to one Magic tournament in a lot of places. You know, we've we've all been to, like, 1K tournaments on a random Saturday in some store in the middle of nowhere and compete against 75 people or something. And you make top eight, you go home with, like, 200 bucks. You know, like, and that happened At least before COVID was happening
2: in every region in the country on every a weekend, weekend. By weekend basis. Yeah. Every we, weekend. Like we're going to talk about the new tournament system in a second. And like, that goes kind of to like, I used to PTQ grind and I stopped the moment it became the RPTQ PTQ PPTQ system because it mm-hmm. became too many PPTQs. There were like an yeah, event yeah. every weekend at two different stores in my area that I could go to. And the moment it became not a like, oh, there's one PTQ every month and I have to prioritize it. And it's like, it's, uh, I'm only going to get so many chances of you to do this. And it became a thing I could do whenever I wanted was the moment I no longer was going to ever do that.
0: <laughs> and see that, and that comes back to a thing that people hate hearing me say, but it's people don't really know what they want, yep. right? Because people want more PTQs. Now, well, I want my store to be able to run a PTQ and I want this. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to make it where all the stores can run PTQs. Well, now PTQs don't feel special. Mm-hmm. and it's like well yeah because now everybody gets them there's only four weekends in a month there's 15 stores in your area which, when do which, you expect them to run the events which yeah. the reasoning for that
2: happened made sense right is ptqs were becoming gps from mm-hmm. a size person like there were ptqs that were larger than regular gps oh, and that some were places, happening at yeah. the same time and they were one day events versus two day events and that was just like a. I, and I was in, cause like LA was definitely one of the places that was happening where it was like 12, 12 round PTQs where you would get there at seven in the morning and leave at three in the morning.
0: And no, it, I played in some a, 10 rounders. I mean, I've yeah. driven three hours to Houston, played in yeah. one, you know, got done at two, three in the morning, drove back. Like,
2: not an emotionally feasible <laughs> like uh, system. So like, I get why they like started breaking it up. That makes sense to me. The, the, like. And, and like, you know, I also got to the point of my average, like, you know, I'm not 23, I'm not 24, I'm not 25. I'm not going to be like dry grinding every weekend necessarily f- to, to, to win at a tournament that like, I already knew I wasn't really likely to win anyways. So <laughs> it's definitely a, a, you know, prioritization, but I, I do agree with you that like, well, this is the whole thing with magic players, right? Then the, and the MPL is a great example of that people ask, this is what it needs to be. And then wizards are like, okay, you want this. This is the way that this is a feasible system.
0: And then it and then it like collapsed under itself. <laughs> yeah. It and don't get me wrong. Like, there's a lot of things Wizards could have done better with the MPL. But like I think players both wanted a system that's going to monetize people all the way through the system and then also pay you when you're at the top mm-hmm. while also having all this big cash prizes at like the grand Prix and blah blah and whatever. And it's just like you're asking a company to just put a bunch of money out for no possible return on this cash. Right. Because whether I always tell people like you need competitive level things to exist the same way you like the same way people want every card reprinted into oblivion. It's like, no, you don't, because we need some things to have value or else we won't participate in the game the same way. Right. like It's just the way it is. Right. Well, no, it's but, it's
2: it's the whole like get rid of the reserve list conversation, which is like a. I get why people want it, I get why people sure. don't want it, but b. Look at modern. Look how expensive Raghavan is. Look how expensive fetch lands are, even with them being reprinted recently. And it's like wizards. Even if they got rid of the reserve list, isn't going to be like all right. Dual lands are a dollar now. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's gonna just like... not going to be a thing. <laughs> and and b. Those cards being worth money are the reason that SEG Circuit Series existed. Yeah. right you have uh, like well, all all the things we've set up to this point the fact that magic the gathering is currently the most funded east like tabletop esport of all time the fact that it has this widespread amount of people able to make money on it from mtg finance people to content creators to pro players to judges to whatever is because these cards have value and the moment those get printed to the ground like there's a reason that like hearthstone just has like major tournaments funded by blizzard and doesn't yeah. have like a real like a GP circuit, like you can't go like during before COVID, you couldn't go to every major city in the United States and have a, 2000 no, you, you might go to like a tournament. dream hack event where they yeah. do a thing
0: or, you know, your local esports arena might do some like 20 person thing on a Thursday, you know, it might be the best thing you get to go to. Right. Right. right.
1: But yeah, to um, my other
0: point, I would say the, the pros exist within a thing. So there's a narrative and a justification, Right. So I always tell people, the, the thing that we lost with the MPL, which we got back, and we can talk about this in a bit, is the illusion of success, right? That I can justify buying these cards because I'm going to play in this PTQ that I might eventually make it on the Pro Tour with, right? right. I, can, I can buy this box of cards, and they're going to have value when I buy them because cards are worth so much, even though most of those people never sell their cards, right like like, but it's the idea that i could and that's what's important if there is
2: an emergency i can sell my magic art collection yeah i i am working every day in my life to never have that emergency happen exactly (laughs) like you don't
0: ever want to but because you might it's a thing right and it's kind of the same thing right you have to sell that illusion you have to have a story to talk about you have to have the forbes articles you have to have somebody to interview for the local news when your grand prix is in town or whatever right Mm -hmm. you gotta have these stories that keep the game relevant, keep people talking about it. So whether people like it or not, these events are promotional events yeah. and totally. there's a cap on what their return going to be because they're just outlaying money really as a promotional and advertising expense, right. you know, whether pro, people like it or not.
2: The pro tour up to this point has been exclusively a marketing expense by wizards Yeah, like, and every feature of it. Right. I mean then, and, and like some of it was self-sustaining, right? Like there, there was a self-sustaining status to Grand Prix's to an extent and And those generate money and those generate money though like definitely when the consolation of all of them in under channel fireball happened they underbid (laughs) Uh, and and that's why the whole paid judges thing happened and that's why you know artists were protesting going to GPs before COVID because they're like the way it was funded was probably not in the most sustainable way and they
0: can't really exist even without Wizards into it and i i think you can but i i agree with you i think the way they were set up just wasn't gonna work
2: yeah I, I, we've been a big proponent on this part po- I, I think like the magic fest and really the what the command fest pilot program was mm-hmm. is the solution to like grand prix coming out and magic fest coming out i think they need to be ran like conventions i think people need to be paying for badges to go right. in there needs to be security for those uh, those fees could be applicable to event stuff, right? Like if I spend yeah. $100 to attend right now, int- or before COVID, it was $70 to play in a main event. I could spend that $100 I spent to enter the venue and use it as a credit towards playing in the main event Yeah, you, or, you get
0: like five event tickets, plus some other stuff or whatever.
2: Or you get like store credit at some of the vendors. Cause that's the thing that everyone, every time we've ever brought this up, the comments are like, yeah, but the store vendors then wouldn't be able to sell cards. And like, there's solutions to all of this, but like, making- Oh, they would definitely still sell cards.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I mean, right. <laughs> like the one thing is people didn't know this too. And this is another thing I knew going into the pandemic is magic was going to be recession proof. Mm-hmm. like, It was last time in 07, 08 with the whole housing thing or whatever. Magic didn't move. And the reason was, even when I studied it, the same reason like we had gotten, we're talking about like getting into disc golf and whatever for our store and whatever, because people go to either cheap hobbies or things they already know. And if you go into your closet and you already have your magic, your Pokemon, your Warhammer stuff, whatever, you're going to continue doing that. You're not going to explore a new expensive hobby. You'll go back to another expensive one because you already know it and it's comfortable Mm -hmm. and it's not risky and you have a community there, right? So I knew, no, there's still going to be money in magic.
2: And magic has the layered, as we said before, right? It's, oh, if it's a recession, I can spend $30 on seeing a movie that just evaporates or I can spend $30 on uh, a seal pool that then, A gamble like there's a reason gambling does well in a recession (laughs) there's a reason that when there's a recession people are in the back rolling dice in an alley it's because there is a little bit of that like oh i can make my money back and and there's a there's a a neutral to net to like significantly less of a loss in dollars spent on magic than there is on other things even if that's not true but your brain has that like the lizard brain in the back of your head is telling you that
0: Oh, I have people that still hate me because I'll sometimes look up and go like, what do you have on the wall in the back? And I'll show them some of the stuff. And they see I've got like Time Spiral remastered and like Modern Horizons 2 sitting up there. They're like, why did you get so many? It's like, because I'm aware. <laughs> like, like, I don't have them sitting there. Because <laughs> I tell people the two things right now that didn't have been constant during COVID is if you buy all the Commander product when it comes out. And honestly, you could probably buy all the secret layers minus the basic land ones. And, and you're probably going to come out to the good Oh, oh no significant percentage on all those.
2: Not not to just tell you that you're wrong, but uh the best possible secret layer investment you can make is the basic land ones.
0: I could see that. I'm just saying I personally don't care for them, so I just I'm just not excited about them. Oh no, yeah, yeah. From <laughs> an
2: excitement perspective, different. But yeah. because basic land people want them to match, and because each basic yep. land comes with one of each, the basic land, secret layers, and I think the uh okay kitty one, the kitty cat one, are the two highest. Uh, deviation from how much they were worth when you paid for them versus what they're worth now. Yeah, because see, because I got
0: some of the to... blackest Magic secret layers to use for giveaways down the road, uh-huh. and they were worth like two and a half times what they were by the time they even got into my hands. Oh, yeah. Like, the, I was like, this guys, is dumb. <laughs> it's
2: it's I, I've I like can't buy them anymore because I had a credit card got canceled under a secret layer. So they like thought I was whatever. Oh, gotcha. I don't yeah, have yeah. to go into that. But like before that happened, I was buying every secret layer because it was yeah. like I would just make my I would take the two cards I wanted out of it and then like
0: sell the rest of the Walking Dead one and then move on with my life. And that's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to tell people. They're like, so you just think these are going to be worth money? I'm like, yeah, you're literally making a thing that's only going to be printed one time. Like, ever. Have you seen how we react as magic players to even a random pin or button or hat or life counter or whatever that we've never seen before? <laughs> like, what do you think every other new player is going to do when they sit down at a commander table and you're like, wait, where the hell do you get that version of Soul Ring? Right. You right. Know? Like, 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 well, it, I want it, that one. It,
2: I, think, I think it's like my favorite, not my favorite version because I, I see where people's complaints come with secret layers from a, like, it's like taking advantage of the whales, I guess, perspective sure. or like people that, but On the other hand, that's the stuff I want. I want wizards to like print weird, rare alter arts of stuff. Cause you don't need that for a tournament. I don't need the whole gamble or blasphemous act comic book art to play in a tournament. So like from a, you know, one of the complaints with magic has always been like, Oh, it's whoever has the most money is going to win at the tournament. Now that has never always been true, but that has always existed as like a complaint. And one of the things I love about collector booster packs is standard packs are dirt cheap. For sure. <laughs> there are very yeah. few cards in standard that are expensive because there's like a large printing of cool alter art, rarer versions of them that that's the expensive version. You I, want- I would
0: argue that booster packs have been underpriced across the industry for a couple of years now. Yeah. We're lucky they are still $4.
2: And I think I think that's because of the drafting. I think that's why the set booster, draft booster, collector mm-hmm. booster deviation happened is that drafts are not underpriced, right? 15 to $20 for sure. a evening of entertainment is about what a movie is. And I think that needs to relatively be close to each yeah, other.
0: And that's solid
2: so the fact that draft boosters are always attached to that type of gameplay is always going to be, and then, and then don't even, you know, and then add sealed to it, which yeah. even amplifies that problem Or you're paying for a worse experience <laughs> for more money. Um, so that's, I think the like weird problem. And that's why I think set boosters and, and, and as much as I think set boosters are like annoying from a, like keeping track of what I'm buying perspective. Sure. Oh, t- <laughs> tell me about it.
0: Like The fact that some cards release with like seven versions is just like, it's it's not right. I feel
2: bad for stores having to organize how many different Teferi Altar arts from M thirteen there was, right? But yeah. I also am like I think collectively players getting to create a custom deck experience up to it, including the fact that there's eight different versions of an artwork that they get to pick which one fits to them the most is cool and good for. Oh, magic.
0: also, here's another point too. I'm gonna throw out here. Probably it's gonna get me flamed by your listeners, but secret layers do not affect retail stores like that that i keep hearing that that people say oh well wizards is taking money from retail i'm telling you as a retailer i'm actually on one of the committees effectively for one of the largest retailer groups in the country most gaming retailers that are worth their salt actually have either or 2020 or 2021 have fallen in their top three best years (laughs) right they are not affected by this at all and matter of fact I would even say most of the stores that would probably go out of their way to buy Secret Layers if they were able to probably would end up just deep discounting them anyway because they don't have the markets for them that they think they have. So it would just be a wasted thing. And nobody would care because Secret Layers wouldn't be available and not as rare and we wouldn't want them as badly. So they wouldn't have as much value. So it's a thing that kind of only can, not only, but is currently best suited to be dealt with that way.
2: Yeah, I think, I think the like, a... All retail did, not all retail, that is not true. All all non-essential good providing retail had rough moments of 2020. And I do agree mm-hmm. that the magic side of it probably survived some of that better than other versions of retail locations. For sure. On, on another side of that, I also agree that Secret Layers aren't a thing that are hurting or help. Like, I don't I don't, I don't think they're analogous problems. I no, think they're that, literally like,
0: most retailers are indifferent to them.
2: It would it would be a problem if like when secret layers were coming out, they were tanking the price of cards. They're not. Uh, no. uh, I, I think like almost all of them have kept it. Most of them, as we just said, have gone up. So if you are one that has a large enough audience, they're a great place to buy cool cards that you can put in a box for for uh, nine but months. There's then also another point. Out,
0: sell them that you're not seeing people not buy from their local store because they bought a secret layer this month. Correct. Right. That's yeah. just not a thing that's happening. Matter of fact, I would say only the most engaged players are even aware of what the latest secret layer is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the average casual player doesn't go online. Like people think, I mean, I've literally been in stores even up here in like the Northeast and the Seattle area or whatever. That's like magic central and literally had a conversation and somebody has genuinely said, who's the professor. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, right. And I'm like, wait, he's just down the road in like Portland. Like, you know, but like I I hired someone.
2: I I hired someone and like in that process I found out they knew Jimmy and or of them and they played magic. So I just assumed they knew what game nights was.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's what I'm saying. I don't know
2: know what that is. I'm like, wait, you know you both play magic you play commander, you play on arena and you know who Jimmy Wong is and you don't know what game nights is. (laughs) And it's like,
0: and she was like, no, yeah, no idea. I was like, oh, that's really fascinating. (laughs) That's the stuff that I think the average player doesn't get, because if you are engaged and you know, you're following the people on Twitter and you're following different YouTube channels or whatever, you see all this information and you see all the people that you're interacting with know that information. So you assume that that's the whole market. But the reality is I remember like even to this day, if I go into any store and I'm engaging just casual players, there's so much that they are just not aware of because it doesn't matter to them in their life. Like they buy the cards, they play with their like group of five to eight people and they're happy. And And that's totally
2: fine. I think that is one of the strengths of magic, right? Is it, it is a onion of participation. Like you don't have to participate in magic in the, oh, I know what every secret layer is. I know what the resale price on every secret layer is. I like have watched every prof video. I like can quote you the game nights deck lists. Like you can, you can participate or, or I've like grinded every PTQ. I've flown to six different cities for a GP. I like have two pro points or, you know, Or you can be like, like, there's people i have like, oh, I'm at the office. Like, oh, they have a Garrick Pop Funko on their desk. I'm like, oh, you play Magic. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like draft once in a while. And I was like, oh, what's your favorite, like... What sets your favorite? Like, and they don't even know the set name, right? They don't. Yeah. Even, there's like, like I don't know, whatever was of, at the
0: store when I went yeah, in on a Friday. Yeah. There was a dragon yeah. in it. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, the, it's the one that had the little like cross sword symbol, whatever that was, right? <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> well, now, yeah, now knowing set symbols is a whole other game.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is true. That's a problem.
2: Uh, but yeah, I think I think I, I agree with you that there's the participatory level of magic Like, secret layers don't hurt people. Like, there's a lot of stuff on, like, how magic has been monetized, I guess. And that has changed over the last two years. But I think holistically, it's been for the better. And it is Mm -hmm. now you know do a classic segue it is i think one of the reasons i am excited to see how this new pro play system happens it was kind of what like so like like an idiot max con uh, at max plays magic uh tweeted we are one day away from the magic op announcement in 10 words or less tell me what your dream op system would look like i didn't read that last sentence uh and so i did a like four tweet thread <laughs> <There's literally laughs> going the one, thought, like damn
0: it Kess! like
2: you know, what are you like, doing Kibler, <laughs> Kibler <responded laughs> like uh wow that's some <laughs> chat mana level Ten words,
1: the right. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but basically, it was like I want it to be like what it was before the MPL. I want there to be like four pro tours a year slash like a world championship. I want regional tournaments that bleed into those. I want the like regional tournament systems to be given pro tour invites so that like the SEG series can feed into the pro tour and Channel Fireball's own tournament series and yeah, uh, the system you know like that that world. And I want um like conventions to exist on a conventional level so that like cosplayers are being paid to be there like actual conventions or you know artists are like the stuff that's there are on purpose and meant to be more of a convention than like a weird add-on to a a grand prix um and that's what they announced (laughs) yeah
0: effectively (laughs) and i was like oh that's cool (laughs) i guess i get what i want now i will say this before we go any further: any of these people out here that are like I didn't get the one thing I wanted out of this. And you're just like, ah, oh, which is the worst. They're going to blow this up. This was such a dumb announcement, whatever. Like the reality is go back to bed and start over. Like, that's the first thing. Like, why'd you roll out of bed? If like, you, like they're literally going to give you 95% of what you want. And you're like, no, that's it. This isn't good enough. Like, hey, we're starting over. Like, this is a fresh start. Like, it's, it's going to take time to get perfect, but this is a really good start. Right.
2: And, and like, there's like in, in the announcement, there's like tons of verbiage gone to this is a beginning. Yeah. COVID is still happening. Stuff could change. There's stuff on the horizon that we haven't announced yet. Cause we need to, we're even figuring this out. Now that we've announced this, we can start working with the different companies that are going to be doing this publicly. And now that it's public information comes out that we can then work to better sculpt this to be exactly what it needs to be. But it's a framework that worked for decades, right? Like the, the, the PTQ into regional PTQ or PTQ directly into ProTour system worked forever. The only thing that's really missing is Grand Prix, But in reality, they're just making the regional. Yeah, Grand Prix like uh, yeah. events are just happening at conventions that were happening already. So, yeah, so
0: the one thing I will say, and I, and I kind of get why Grand Prix weren't immediately rolled out, is because Grand Prix have to be international. Right. Mm-hmm. We have, if we say we're going to do Grand Prix, we're going to do at least 10, probably 15 or so, and we're going to place them around the world. The problem is there's a lot of places, depending on the country, you can't get in or out of right now. You can't fly out, like, you know, different COVID rules. I have Sam. So uh, I don't, you
2: know, I, so I own a toy company. I don't know how mm-hmm. much, you know, that. Okay. Uh, and right now, all of our factories in China are on COVID lockdown. They are not allowed yeah. to leave their homes. I have stuff in a like, that were like samples of product that we need to like, that would, we're just being FedExed to us, right? Like not even that are like in an airplane on the tarmac that isn't allowed to leave because China is totally locked down. I like have an office in Hong Kong that the estimate is 2025 is when I'll be able to go back there.
0: (laughs) That's exciting.
2: (laughs) Uh, Versus like before COVID, which was like four times a year. And like, I don't know how you run a grand Prix circuit when,
0: the largest country in the world is like that. (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's what I was trying to explain to people. Because don't be wrong, people looked at something like flesh and blood and said, like, oh, well, if they can do it, Wizards can do it. I said, yes, Wizards can, but their stake is a lot higher if this gets screwed up, right? Like, they can't be a super spreader thing or whatever. Like, just the financial implications for, like, Hasbro and everything else in the news stories and whatever, like, not worth it. And I can tell you, having been at Wizards before, they are very risk-averse in general. So they are just not going to take that shot. Whereas if, and I'll be honest, if I'm on the fab team, I'm like, you know what? Why don't we? Nobody's doing anything else. Like this is a chance for us to get some notoriety. We can get some news story coverage, maybe went over some of the magic players, the Pokemon players. It was an opportunity thing for them. And I don't think, I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily would have done it, but I totally get their logic as to why they did it when they did it. You know, this comes back to kind of what we talked about on the pre-show, right? Like, I don't, I don't have to necessarily agree with the action, but I understand why it's there. It, there is an opportunity to do
2: something like it, and and they, you're like, it's the the smaller the company, the more flexible you are, right? Like, this massive thing, and and the other thing with launching the, and they're not doing a grand Prix series right? They're doing like mm-hmm. on the edge of their seat planned right before the next one is planned yeah they're doing like, like two or three like, at a time, three you know, at three kind of rolling. time like seeing if it works if that works cool we'll do the next one go for like a grand prix series to come back like you know this is something that's true like in every industry and we saw it because we, we did gen con and like there's a lot of like historic work person knowledge that just is erased forever right? Like the, the wizards and channel fireball and all these companies shut down these divisions. Those, all the people, like hundreds of people that worked for them that were running, yeah, the moved event on, are gone and have jobs somewhere else. Some of them might respond to emails asking for where the password is or what was the code? Like, who's the person I'm supposed to talk to? At or to firm. even come
0: back and work if you're right. like, or,
2: or come back? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's like rebuilding that structure is an insert is a massive task. Added to the layer of what that cost would be to do so with the big question mark of, oh, does COVID just come back and like is what's happening in China once again going to spread to the rest of the world like it did last time? Or are we slowly getting back to some amount of normalcy and can we start planning for it? And yeah, this
0: is one of the reasons when I saw that they were working with regional TOs, I thought was a good idea. Now. I do have a little bit of a problem kind of how with the whole EMEA situation is set up at the moment,
2: but uh, can you, can you clarify what that is?
0: Uh, the Europe, Middle East and Africa. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. And the, the, cause like a good example is like DreamHack, right? They run three or four events across the U S they run a couple in Europe, whatever they're kind of worldwide, but they have people that have those relationships with those local venues and in the city. So like, and even I, for having run a bunch of events throughout the Dallas area and whatever I could call tomorrow know who to speak to, know the layout of the room, what we would need or whatever if somebody needed to run an event there, right? Like somebody at Wizards or, you know, with the Flesh and Blood crew or whatever, they don't necessarily know that. They don't have that knowledge in that history, but somebody for one of these regional companies does, you know, like, so it makes their job a lot easier in the time of COVID where you might have an event and something happens and that venue might get shut down or the city might say, okay, hey, you can't have an event bigger than 300 people or whatever they know the next venue they can go to the people to call and probably can have a new plan within probably 72 hours, you know, like that wizards could still do that work, but it's somebody having to start those conversations fresh from the top mm-hmm. and still get it done.
2: And, and, and so, so briefly I do want to kind of explain what the the structure is But before I do that. Uh, this is the time where I take all of our listeners hostage. So we're going to play a game of trivia And the way this works is we are making a bet with you listeners. And the bet is it, we're going to ask a trivia question. Uh, Daquan has picked out one for me this time. Uh, And uh, while I him and haw about not, or maybe actually knowing the answer, I need all of you to comment what your answers are. And you're making a bet. If you get it right, uh, I will like your post. I will, I will, as both the Kess Games YouTube channel and the MMCast YouTube channel, like your post for getting it right. If you get it wrong or you don't know, you have to hit that like and subscribe button. That's the rules. Sorry, you listened to me say that, so you've already contractually obligated yourself to hitting that like button. Uh, if you get this wrong, and if you get it right, and you want to hit that like button, we appreciate it, but you don't have to. You've you've succeeded in dodging this
0: obligation. Uh, so hit me. Get, I, what's the what's the trivia question? All right. What, so what we got what a lot of people don't know. Is Richard Garfield originally came to Words of the Coast with a game to be produced that was not Magic. What was that first game?
2: Mm, mm. So, so luckily, I, I, I do, I do know this one. Uh, yeah, I was just
0: saying, I think you might know this one.
2: <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think so. So famously, uh, they were interested in it. it. Did actually eventually get made, and it just Correct. was too expensive. And they were like, I like this game. But what we're really looking for is a game that I can play between different tabletop RPG rounds uh, for like 20 minutes between what's going on with my friends. Can you go and come up with something like that, Richard Garfield? And he was like, yes, here's the most profitable concept for cardboard ever invented yeah
0: because the problem is at the time <laughs> it was just three people literally working out of a basement yeah yep. and, <laughs> and they
2: didn't like this was before they bought uh D. this was like oh they yeah were, way I before what, then I forget the tabletop game they were making but the game that uh, talis lanta
0: was the name of that other game it was what was it talis lanta talis it was lanta. another rpg I'm glad that wasn't the trivia question. No, I literally answer, know way too much dumb stuff about the game industry. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: answer to the question is, uh, and this hopefully got your comments and your likes, Robo Rally is the, yep. was the answer to the question. Perfect.
0: Great uh, game. I would generally say play it with experienced board gamers because beginners will lose their mind trying to keep track of what direction they're going. Uh, are yeah. you saying
2: that a game made by V Richard Garfield would be complicated and... Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great game, but if you're you have bad, like, directional sense that game will frustrate the hell out of
1: you (laughs) um so so as i said
2: you got to hit that like and subscribe button all right so now let's talk about Premier Play on Tabletop is back, uh, and the way this is going to work. And, and if you were playing back in the day before the MPL and Arena launched, this is going to sound very familiar to you. First off, Pro Tours are back, so you start you start with your regional championship qualifiers. These are ran by regional uh, TOS, and they're even trickling down even farther. For instance, uh, DreamHack, which is the one running the US-based one, is working with the NRG series to include NRG qualifier qualifiers at NRG events. Uh, if you win those you and those are for all intents and purposes ptq or what was pptqs so uh those then feed into regional championships those are i believe held four times a year, three, three, times a year. Three, three times a year yeah um those are what used to be rptqs but now they're kind of like a hybrid rptq grand prix they're all happening at dreamhack events in person uh and there will be larger at least in maver- the u.s they're be different the yeah uh in, in the us they'll be happening at dreamhack events and at those events there'll be other events it'll be ran like a, like a grand prix but instead of the main event being a grand prix it's a not invite only but you had to qualify to be a participant in a regional championship and there's a bunch of different ways you can qualify which we'll get into later then if you win that or another library of different things including a pro point system including a hall of fame invite including uh, if you won a previous version of these, they roll over it to the next one. You get invited to the Pro Tour. There are three Pro Tours a year. The first one is going to be Pioneer. Um, they've said Pioneer and Modern and Standard, I think are the three formats that they're starting with, with each of yeah. them also having a limited portion. So class- and,
0: and uh sealed. And sealed or,
2: and sealed. Yeah. So that event then runs very similar to what a previous Pro Tour is. You know, there are the the way you get into it, the way that funnels into it, the big difference is there's no grand Prixs. Uh, that feed into it and then x amount of winners from those plus x amount of winners from a library of other options and the different other kind of qualifying spe- specifics get to play in the world championship um and i think the breakdown is a pro tour is supposed to be around 300 people and a world champion yeah. is going to be 128 and that's once a Correct. year and the winner of that gets to be the world champion <laughs> and yep. i think it's a million dollars of prize pool for that and five hundred thousand dollars for prize pool per pro tour yeah cool I read the article, and I remembered all the numbers.
0: <laughs> you know, I'll say this, too. It, just for the announcement itself, before we get into more of the details, like, this is probably as good as somebody or a company could handle such a big announcement. Like, yeah. it was, hey, we're going to have this news. Here's here's what everybody can be tuned in. Here's what's going to happen. The morning of, it rolled out. It had it a, had a very simple pyramid <laughs> with, yeah. like, you know, like, two sentences in, like, each thing. You know, nice and simple wasn't complicated it was easy to follow it gave you a whole article to broke stuff down it was connect, linked to another article if you just wanted pro tour information and then we got a follow-up you know whatever like seven hours later there's an online FAQ, there's
1: a stream yep. there's,
0: the pyramid could, is right here yeah where they could answer the questions and whatever and go into detail the crazy thing is there were still people going like well is there a simpler thing i could have to just tell new people what to do and i'm like dude there's an infographic just like show them the purple pyramid my, like my, i don't like
2: the best joke I saw online was someone took the purple pyramid, but then put it over the like Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid. So it was like life fulfillment, (laughs) full fulfillment, immediate fulfillment. (laughs) That's
0: kind of what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But there's a reason that graph is taught. I like learned that class in eight different marketing classes in college. (laughs) It makes sense. um, Pyramids are great for teaching. Uh, and schemes maybe (laughs) well true Uh, (laughs) um but yeah no i think i think they did a really good job and and even like there's like four web pages i literally have them all open uh here of like deep dives right you can go into each of the different regional people's websites for magic their magic events that have a larger breakdown on how that region works you can go into an faq that does break down like like i literally have it written down we'll go into it like who qualifies for a regional thing who qualifies for the championship and like, how does the hall of fame break into that? How does. Yeah. And the best part about
0: it too, I would say is the only remotely complicated part doesn't even come into play until you're already at the pro tour level. Right. And that's just tracking your, your pro points or whatever. Right. But like, and honestly, it's a lot simpler than it used to be. Oh yeah. It's definitely nowhere. Like, Oh my (laughs) God, it is super simple. (laughs) But like, but the reality is that's the most complicated thing. And at that level, you just learn what it is. But yeah. even then, it's just a simple math equation. And I say equation. It's really just simple math. It's not even really much of an equation, really.
2: It's, it's every... So and pe- so people to basically understand, at a PTQ, every round you win over nine rounds, you get a point for. And then X amount of points...
0: Well, at the Pro Tour. At yeah.
2: the Pro Tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the Pro Tour, right? Uh, every amount of points qualify... If you have the X amount of points needed, that will qualify you for the next Pro Tour. And according to this the first year that amount of points is going to actually be a little bit smaller that you need to qualify mostly because they're trying to build the system out to fill the tournament up and then the second year that'll it'll become a much more competitive number
0: yeah my guess is it'll probably go up like right now it's set at 39 i would not be surprised if you see it move up to maybe about 45 which would be two more total wins over three events yeah and that's probably more accurate is probably where we're going to see it settle and
2: and and i think that's also like a a judgment call that they can literally make on the fly once they have data right they're like oh the average player the average 300 players which is how much we want to be able to allow to go to this thing has 45 points that's the point we want
0: actually i also want to say another cool thing and this is something huey mentioned because he brought up you know why they have the minus nine points where like your first three wins don't count Mm -hmm. and he actually said it's for people to not have to feel the need to play when you're like oh three one and four whatever sure so like and i was like that even that level of thought i'm like i like that right Mm -hmm. so those even if you played on and you got those three more wins it's not going to matter so like just pack it up you can go enjoy the rest of your weekend wherever the event is you know just just go do something else
2: Because there's a there's a ton of like knowledge within Wizards, especially on like the positives positives and negatives of every system that they've ever had. Because one thing they still do have is most of their design team was at one point, or at least the most of their development team, what was previously now play design, play design team was a pro player at some point. And And then that's now fostered throughout the entire community of the Wizards of the Coast company. So like, you know, Andrew Brown who knows what sucks about being a pro player or what used to suck about being a pro player and what didn't and what worked and what was like an extreme cause of burnout or something that was maybe dangerous to put players through. And that's a great example and of, of what that is, right? Like, Oh, by making it a nine point barrier, people will stop stress. Like they won't grind through an entire tournament just to hit something. They'll be like, Oh, I've hit the point where I no longer have to play. And that has health benefits to a human playing through a 12 out round tournament or 10, whatever round tournament to get no result, to get no results, knowing that failure, but like one result could help is
0: bad yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll say this, like the whole structure and everything feels like somebody at Wizards. And I don't say this too, like having worked at wizards, one of the things I used to tell people is my job was on the, the upper floor and I genuinely looked around daily and went, I don't even think I'm the 10th most smart and creative person on my floor. <laughs> right, like, and I feel like every time I did stuff working with the city and everything else, like, I felt like I was one of the most motivated, or I was one of the smartest people in the room, and like, I went to work going like, "Yeah, I'm just a bum. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm just a person in this room, right? You know, which is good though. Like, it, but I think from the outside looking in, people don't ever get to see that because they don't see all the people, you know, the 500 employees at Wizards of the Coast or whatever. Right? They just See Rosewater and you know Blake and whatever who whoever's the face that day, and that's all they see. But yeah, I think that they kind of sat around and got their heads together and said, okay, what is the best thing we could do with the least amount of tracking, involve the least amount of manpower, and still do the best production as close to what people wanted? Right. And that's what this feels like because before the old system was like, okay, well, we have to worry about pro points, and there's a pro players club, and there's different levels, and then there's appearance fees there's this thing and all those require somebody like okay you gotta update stuff every weekend after event you gotta have somebody dealing with plane tickets and whatever you gotta have this thing right, right. everything has more and more bodies and more more places for things to fail in the system or people to get stuff lost or confused
2: and, the, and they brought back the Hall of Fame thing which I actually really like respect and like right like that was the one yeah, that cool. I didn't love about MPL. is it just like there's a I like seeing Kai and and you know Kibler and and um, Finkel like playing in the pro tour I know that they are never going to grind to get there. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> but and I I'll tell you, like, this I, comes
0: back to what I was talking about—the whole aspiration thing, right? Yeah, yeah. The illusion, like now somebody can have that moment. That man, I went to a regional event and I got to play against Finkel, or I got to play against LSV, or I, like I, yeah. even if they get smashed in five turns or whatever, it's I at least got that moment, right? Or mm-hmm. I, you know, I went to the Pro Tour and three of my five rounds were were these big names or whatever, right? right you give that story and that experience that wouldn't be there otherwise. Cause you know, if we qualify for the pro tour and we play against it, like, uh, okay. They make some content. They're cool and all, but you know, like,
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's like, it, I got to play against a best at something of all time. Yeah. Right? I can play against people like Paulo. It's like, oh, you are the best ranked person in the world a year ago. Before, when that was a thing that still existed. I will never get to do that in any other thing that
0: I do. <laughs> yeah. Even for oh. me, like doing commentary, it's not like I'm ever really starstruck or anything, but to be able to say I've had the opportunity to do commentary with Huey, with Reed, right, with Martin Juza or whatever, right, that's a cool thing to be able to have those stories to talk to people about later because you know they have value to other players in the community.
2: Yeah, and I think I think the system they've come up here is like really sustainable. It, it takes the it's not the best of all worlds, right? There's a version no, no. that like like I would love to go back to. The, the it's the best it's the best of all worlds in a modern day society that is manageable yes. right like i'm never going to get the 200 person average ptq system where they're once a month and i get to like prioritize that i could be like sorry whitney i you know that sunday i'm gonna be going to the uh you know the woman's club out in santa clarita
0: yeah yeah to be there oh man and, people forget some of the places we used to have to play events were garbage by comparison like I literally, I went to a pre-release at the Ennis Motor Speedway, which is this little random place like outside of the Dallas area with walls that were rumbling because there were like rocket cars out on the track (laughs) or whatever. Like I literally, we were in a hotel. We were just talking about this a couple weekends ago. There was a hotel and I swear to you, this is true. It was so gross and steamy inside because it was inside and they had an indoor pool. Mm-hmm. And it was so gross and sticky where like your, sh- your cards were sticking together in the sleeves. Oh, no. <laughs> and literally like condensation was falling from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Like it was gross. <laughs> like modern players will the current day, oh. player, you will never have to experience that. Like, oh, on on the
2: like on the level of uh, takes that might make the internet annoyed, uh, my like post COVID take is I actually think the removal and this and like th- there are things that local game stores that are really great, and this isn't true of every local game store. But I think the removal of Magic from the local game store level as the primary place of play has done more to grow the game to a wider audience than it has to hurt the game. And like part of that is a uh, gender breakdown. Like I think like those locations are not great for specific groups of people that may want to play as someone coming into it. Also, they're often not the nicest places from a bathroom perspective or from a,
0: there is water leaking from the ceiling perspective. Yeah. I I would say that is something that we've seen a big transition of in the industry over the last probably five or six years. I think a lot. And I think the reason has been you have more examples of mm-hmm. what a good store is right like obviously not everybody's going to be a a card kingdom as an example or whatever right, right. but the the fancy shelves and you know 10 12 foot ceilings and all that stuff right that's not going to be a thing for everybody mock sporting but,
2: exist everywhere yeah
0: but there's a lot of really good quality stores at that mid-level now that people go wait why would i come to your store i'll just drive the extra 30 minutes and go to this other place right right, right, right. that's becoming the norm in a lot of spots and especially in places like phoenix where actually people don't realize this. Phoenix is actually like the most dense area in the country for game stores, which is crazy. Oh, that's really
2: interesting. I would have assumed it was. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah.
0: You would have thought it's somewhere else, but they literally have, like, if you look at a map, they're just everywhere. Sure. So every store that pops up has to be quality, right? You don't get a choice. You're you're dead in six months, right? You know what I mean? So the bar just keeps getting higher and higher. And I think to some extent, you know, to kind of diverge a little bit, we're seeing that in content creation. Like, if you roll in and you don't have like at least a decent microphone or decent camera like people are just going to be like yeah all right whatever <laughs> like right. and they're moving right. on to the next thing cuz even the the new people are starting out at a higher level
2: yeah yeah it's it's easy to find quality content and it's it's a you need a niche b you need to be like there's a base ma- bare minimum that you need to be fulfilling and if you're not doing that there's no reason to continue yeah Back, back to <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The, the the tournament structure. So, all right, next step. So these are the, these are the ways that you can uh, get into a PTQ and that is be one of the top finishers at the previous regional championship that uh, you can only do one regional championship. So, so uh, you can't qualify. You can't play multiple regional championships to get into a pro tour. Once you qualify for a regional, you can't qualify for another one to get into that pro tour. You're kind of like, that's your one, one attempt.
0: Yeah, I believe what they said. I'm trying to remember how how Huey worded it during the stream. But, like, if you played in a store and qualified, you would have to play in the regional in that region. So, like, if you were traveling and you went to, I don't know, let's say Germany. And you won one there. You have to play in a European regional. You couldn't use that qualification to come back and play in a dream hack event in Dallas or whatever. Yeah,
2: it it is. They're like they're 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 silos basically um, within the organizations. Then the the next way is you finish with 10 or more wins at the previous pro tour. So so if if you're on a pro tour, you win 10 rounds, you get to go to the next pro tour. You can kind of chain pro tours by winning them. You succeed at the Magic the Gathering online championship showcases. Uh, so there are, that's the one thing I guess we haven't talked about. There are ways they, they are attaching digital to paper play. So arena and moto both will feed into this system. It sounds like there will also be arena systems beyond this system, but they're not, they're not like mythic championships are gone. There's no longer, arena is no longer the focus of pro play you, if you are successful enough on arena, you will then get funneled eventually into the mythic champion or the world championship or a pro tour, um, through those successes. Which will be yeah, interesting. I think that's fine. Yeah, like, I think if you're at that level, you're able to borrow or attain the cards needed to play in the bigger exactly. event, and and that's really the main limitation. You're a member of the Magic: The Gathering Hall of Fame, and uh, if you are, you are invited to one regional championship and one Pro Tour per season, which I believe means that you if so basically as long as you do well. Especially was per, it regional, per season?
0: I thought it was per year.
2: Per season, I think season is year.
0: Okay, that would make sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's so I, th- I think you get one regional. So the season is for the year. Yeah, yeah, that get, makes sense. Get, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you get you get you if you are good enough, which generally pro famers might are, are generally are you are, are have a good chance of getting into pro two pro tours, one from the one that you're automatically able to go to and one from the regional one that you would have to win. You also could just get 10 wins in the pro tour you get to go to to get to the next one. I believe I think you can you get all the other ways you get to roll over your pro points. So it's like a little bit of a bump up if you're a Hall of Famer. So Hall of Famers probably can start rolling through because that skill set hasn't gone anywhere.
0: <laughs> Not really. I mean, that that's the other thing about magic, you know, that the average age of the magic player is actually about 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that like it's much older than people think. And I mean, you know, there's some of us old guys bringing up the average, but like, <laughs> but I think that's I'm, what I'm makes magic one. I don't mean. know
2: what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when you, but when you look at other games, you know, I I've, Looked into some games where, like, in esports, where you pretty much age out at like 24, 25. Oh, like yeah. You're, you're old, you know, at 25. The like,
2: like age <laughs> limit for esports is significantly lower than professional sports, which is significantly lower than magic.
0: Yeah. Which is bananas, right? <laughs> when you're like, you know, Tom Brady is about to be damn near 50 or whatever. And I mean, you've got some did that's like giving up playing CSGO at 24. Right. Right. <laughs> like, like, isn't that like, wild?
2: Like, the, cause the, like, the reflex time needed to be able to take a football and throw it correctly is not the same as like, oh, definitely a not 100 keys. I have to press in League of Legends to make sure I dodge my Q correctly to hit my W and to hit my ultimate. Yeah, so I but, like, but if yeah. you're
0: good at magic, it's like being good at chess or being at <laughs> anything else. Like there's it's just can you still as long as your mind's right, you're good. Right. Like the
2: honestly, the reason we don't have like 80 year old, 70 year old amazing magic players is more because similar to chess, the people that are like that in chess have been playing since birth and have been, and chess has been around long enough. Like, well, yeah, that's you, exactly
0: it. I mean, we're only going to be coming up on magic 30th anniversary. So, right. I mean, we still got a ways to go.
2: Um, so, so being a pro, you know, being a hall of famer gives you that bump up to, you're able to just automatically start qualifying. And then you can use that as a bump up to continue riding the train. As we kind of mentioned players, another way to do that is for players who finish with 39 or more adjusted match points from the previous three pro tours. So you take, The last three Pro Tours, not of the season, it rolls. So, and it is always consecutive. So, uh, say you like do two Pro Tours and then you miss one because there's a wedding. You don't get to like keep the last three before that because those are the last three you participated in. It's exactly the last three that happened. You
0: get, if you have 39 or more points, you get to play in the next Pro Tour. And I have to admit, I really like that. I like that it's clean, it's simple, it's easy to understand. It won't be hard to track and know how many points you have. And there's always been the thing of like, okay, is there a way I can chain events without necessarily having to spike an event constantly, mm-hmm. right? But this is good because if you are, let's say you have two or three in a row of like a top 32 finish or a top 16 finish or whatever, that's going to be plenty for you to just keep rolling those event after event and keep right. getting paid. Right.
2: I think one of the things of removing the Grand Prix system out of the system and removing the attachment of pro because because they've said magic festivals will come back, but they've also said that they will for sure not be attached in any way to pro play. So like mm-hmm. command fests are going to be the future of of these things, right? But they'll be like the the gathering event that just happened. They won't be because sure. the flaw of the command fest as because I got to go to those and I got to go to the gathering is the command fest had nothing other than commander. So like. Yeah literally mystery boosters were at like a grand prix the weekend before command fest DC. And we couldn't draft them just because they didn't bring any draft product. Cause it was only commander. And it was like, well,
0: yeah, it was commander. It was artist, It was dealers.
2: Yeah. And, and, yeah. and dealers didn't like it. Cause no one was selling their cards. No one was opening packs to sell. You know, there's like, no one was happy. <laughs> Even the commander players are like, well, I'd like the draft once I'm at a magic event. I can do both. Uh, I have like a whole three weekends of content that I would like to fill with different activities. And so my estimation is what Magic the Gathering, which is what the Channel Fireball Las Vegas yeah. event was called, uh, will be the framework for what those look like, which are basically Grand Prix without a pro tour leading into event. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if there will be the qualifier events there. Like, there, in fact, I would I, like I would say I there really would not chance. be
0: surprised <laughs> if you see more events run by these regional TOS where they go to Wizards and say, OK, hey, we're thinking about doing this thing probably going to have like a 500 person attendance or whatever, you know, let's give invites to the top two players or the top four players. Like well, there's, I think you're going to see more of that throughout the next 12 months or so.
2: And that is, that is one thing that, and, and we haven't gone into like how to get to regionals. Regionals are totally more up in the air. Like there are, there are very yeah. structured ways to get into a pro tour. There are not structured ways to get into regionals. There They can be through PTQ like events that local game stores get to throw. The NRG series, which is like the closest thing to an SCG series right now, is going to have side events that are that that feed into the RPT or the 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 regional championships. That's what they're called, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Regional championships. There's going to be, my guess is like Gen Cons and the Dragon Cons and the. And you'll know, still
0: have Magic Online and Arena feeding those as yeah, well. Yeah, and
2: you have those as well. So you you have like a, a, a much looser use of those systems there's there's stuff that is guaranteed to happen right there will be local game store events style yeah and
0: i would think that's the part that's going to matter for who knows probably 90 percent of all players yeah. right yeah your your best possible shot is going to be to spike a probably 30 percent event 40 percent event or whatever at some local store somewhere
2: right right and then and that store will then get you to the the regional which then you get to win that and those are bigger events and then you go to a ptq or a pro yeah. tour and then you, then you now have to attempt to do these things. And then the last, the last one is top four finishes with the magic. So the, the top four get invited to every pro tour of the next year of the myth. Oh yeah. Of the world championship. This might be, that may not actually be true.
0: No, if you're the top four of the world championships, you get qualified to all the pro tours for the next year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, okay. Yeah. It's a little confusing. Cause it's like specific. It's like more specific than I thought it would be. Yeah so I, it it doesn't say if that is true for the next mythic champion or the next world championship if that then also rolls
0: over i assume it does it would be yeah. weird for that to be taken away which i think um, that's actually pretty cool too that like because that's always kind of been the thing of like the winner was always invited back to world now admittedly yeah. at the time worlds was only 16 people and slots are, slots are more exclusive or whatever but mm-hmm. in this case it's like you're gonna have 120 some 130 people there anyway right like cool so if you're top four you get to come back for a rematch yep. you know yeah. like and likely, so I'm likely if that. you
2: if you make it into the world championship you're getting to at least the next pro tour just cuz yeah. of the things that are needed to get you to the world championship yeah like you're probably
0: already going to be guaranteed for the next two or three anyway just yeah, on the
2: the point system you'll have the regional points you'll have yeah.
0: you'll have you know whatever you did in that last pro tour gets you to the next one so that oh, it, it, they did also say that the top 8 and i think that might have been hidden like a line in the announcement the top 8 will also get an additional 12 yeah, uh, pro points or right. whatever. It, it wasn't
2: in, was in, in the FAQ. It was like yeah, to ap-
0: to apply for whatever, which is also yeah. cool. So if you spike a top eight, your odds are pretty hard of falling off in the next year. Yep,
2: yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It's it's a like a way more manageable system. Oh, but what was I saying? The 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 nice thing of, of Grand Prix is going away. So that's all the different ways you can get into a, a pro tour. The nice thing about Grand Prix is going away as a part of this system is I had tons of friends who were the Grand Prix grinder, and that's the level that I understood the pay the pro argument, right? The, 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 the grind and expense needed to do that. And to just get to the point where you were able to say like, I can now use the clout I've gotten because I've now gone to these and won enough of them to have that was a massive grind expense and, and toll on emotional health (laughs) to people that like Getting rid of that system in some direction was was needed. Now the direction they went, which was like, oh no, now we're gonna just create this whole new system where you're the rivals and then you're the the pr- and you're a streamer yeah. now. That wasn't the solution. The solution, which is this, is just like, you know what, it's much more self-contained. There's a much more limited amount of these events, and you don't have to fly to 30 United States cities a year so that you can participate in every Grand Prix and sacrifice every weekend of your life to try and get enough pro points to be able to get on the pro tour gravy train. i think
0: this comes back to kind of what we were mentioning before it right? where i don't think the players really knew what they wanted right, right? they kept going to wizards because initially it was like okay you finish in the top whatever it was eight or 16 you get some pro points top four usually gets like qualified you know that sort of thing and then there were people going well but you know if you finish deep a few times there should be a way for you to get in or whatever and it's like okay well We'll, we'll extend the points and we'll do it based on attendance and there's this thing. It's like, okay, well, what about those of us that are trying to go and get the pro points and we're going to all these things and like, okay, well, let's set up a system where there's like appearance fees. So if you're in certain levels of the pro players club, whether you're gold, silver, bronze or whatever, you can get a hundred. I think it was like a hundred, 300, 500, something like that. So like you got money for showing up. Okay, well now we can do that. And it was like, but now you have players going, okay, well now I need to go so I can try to get that extra 300 because it's not that far. And and then eventually up the situation of the tails wagging the dog, right? You know, like, so you got everything you wanted and wizards kept like stacking on things to try to make it better for you. But then now we did reach that point where people were saying, well, now we have people trying to go to 20 grand prix a year or whatever. So then they had to cap it and say, okay, well, only your five best performances or your last five event or first five events or whatever it was, there was like a cap on the number of events that actually counted. And then that had its own issues. And it was just like, yeah, we just weren't going to fix it. Like players, I think the problem we we have to admit is like, no matter what you put up, gamers are going to try to game, right? Whatever you put up, we're going to try to maximize the system and just make it as simple as possible and say, like, this is the system. Everybody can see everything. There's nothing here to be gamed. You either win or you don't. You get the points. You stay in.
2: And <laughs> and like with the Grand Prix thing, it it's... Change is hard, massive change on the level that would have been needed before covid to get rid of that system was not I, I don't think was even feasible because the the no. Grand Prix system itself was a self-funding successful series and with thousands of contracts involved with who gets to make it and what gets to happen and what it looks like that, like getting rid of it wouldn't have been feasible. But now that there's a clean slate like this happens in toys all the time, right, where you have a product you're like, OK, I have the shelf space and this has been the great product for years. You know, but every year for the last ten, five years, it's gotten slightly worse every year. So yeah, it drops two percent, three percent. But yeah. that's fine, still doing well. And now it's like, but like five years later, it's like, oh, now it's twenty percent lower than it used to be. It's not nearly as successful. But for me to change it could be risking the whole situation versus yeah. me being happy with mediocrity. And so you don't do anything, and then eventually it, it, it collapses. And 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 I think that was kind of the case with Grand Prix, or would have been an eventual case. Now COVID gave a clean slate, and I think Wizards realized, hey, the Grand Prix system was one of the things that was making this unsustainable. Let's reinvigorate what Grand Prix were because there was evolutions of what that was becoming anyways that they were working towards. And we can see about making them conventions, see about making them much more of just like Grand Prix Vegas is what happens every year. Well, yeah, but because not- let's
0: be honest, if you run a big tournament that's got a somewhere between a twenty dollars and $50,000 cash prize or whatever, people are still going to show up like there doesn't like sure the pro tour invites or whatever are nice but if those ain't there like people within any reasonable driving distance and some people will even fly there like you're gonna get your attendance oh yeah well
2: that's what i even like about the fact that they let regional people pick how they're using their regional invites right yeah is dreamhack could be like hey channel fireball you do your magic thing and we'll give your top four of your modern event regional invites Just like for like, it costs you pay us some amount. You know, maybe there's some backhand deal part of that, but like that's an easy. Or Wizards even says, "Hey, we want Magic Fest Vegas to come back. That's the one Grand Prix every year that was the hottest thing. It was great for us." Give channel fireball x amount of invites so that they could run the, through through their three weekend three tournament weekend event and the yeah like,
0: with the sixty five hundred players or whatever. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so i I definitely think that this is on the whole just going to be a like a more yeah and 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 from your perspective you know it's the problem with cdh not the problem with cdh right but it's the it's the when people come to cdh and they're like, Oh, just create a new ban list. Ban your own cards and make your own format. Stop. You know, don't play EDH. Play your own thing. And it's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If you make CDH its own format, you're just going to make a second CDH because those players might exist. But then the people that play EDH are still just going to make the best deck they can. Yeah. Not like you're just going to have another layer of problems. Right. Like no matter what people who play Honestly, no matter what anything happens, people are going to try and find the best possible solutions to every problem that faces them. They're going to find the laziest and best solutions to what they're doing. And that happened here. That happens in commander. That happens in modern, like whatever you're going to find that is the easiest version of winning. You're going to try and do
0: that. Now, mostly what I do like about all of this is that it also and I guess part of the conversation we really haven't had is like, how does this affect content creators, Mm -hmm. you know? Because you've been operating in a world where paper magic didn't exist, you know. So, I've kind of been telling some people, like, "Hey, you know, if you notice," I said, "I even had a, a collection buy the other day where I found a couple of duels lands. I immediately made a video out of it, like clip my stream where I was showing it. Whatever, started putting that out there and just saying, like, yeah, make sure you got a little paper content in there. You know, like, right. there's going to be people looking for stuff that are going to relate to it, right? They're still and the, but they're still going to be incentivized to play arena, right? If they want to get on the pro tour. They're still going to be like, well, let me try to get into this arena quad fire or let me get into this magic online, you know, championship series or whatever. Let me see if I can get into the tournament. Right. Because it's one more way that I can get on the tour. Right. So you're going to have people paying attention to some things that they really weren't paying attention to for a while. I've had several people already on my couple of streams this week come in and say, like, man, I'm really excited about picking up my cards again. Or, oh, man, I really got to start researching stuff or hell, even myself. I was like. I guess I should make a modern or a pioneer deck cuz I've never played pioneer but I'm like in case I have a free weekend you know like, like right, I don't right. want to have a pioneer deck on hand. One well, of that that's I think a big one right? Like pioneer
2: part of this announcement has been pioneer still exists. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which, like if you had asked me 6 months ago and, and I I have declared on this podcast quite a bit <laughs> like pioneer is dead in this wizards Actively pushes for it again. And that's what they're doing here, right? They're, they're saying, no, this is going to be the first PTQ. This is going to be the, the, this is the format that we know needs to exist because pioneer should exist, right? The, 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 yeah. for why they created all of the logic behind it makes sense. It's launch was a disaster for reasons from the most ban heavy, na- 10 months of magic history, followed by a pandemic followed by a floundering format that didn't know what to do with itself. But like modern to standard, there needs to be a middle ground and 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 pioneer is that middle ground, so so that's really well, you know, exciting it was,
0: it was the pandemic I think that really did it in because they'd just come off we, i guess we'd had maybe like four months or so that they'd come off those major bands, and the format was actually starting to look kind of healthy, but then uh, nobody was playing it anymore
2: so i, I will yeah I, I think I think the ban. So we, we talked literally like right before the pandemic, we went uh, and we did the like videos we did with Prof. Like literally it was like March 9th in Portland filming with Prof, March 15th in Gamma during the shutdown. <laughs> and yeah. like while he was there before it was all happening, I was like, yeah, Pioneer content is the one thing that doesn't succeed. Like uh, everything yeah, else totally. does well. And for us, even that was true, right? Like we early on, we were like, oh, we're going to do Masters of Pioneer once a month. We're going to talk about Pioneer only. And then just like that content never did well or start yeah. like like after the first after like the first two. And it and the reaction from people was like, I don't know what this format is. I'm so sick of bands in every format that exists and Pioneer is worse than them all because of the weird rolling band list announcement. And we can go into Pioneer for, yeah. for, for days. But I do think like if you're talking about opportunities for content creation, Pioneer is a prime location because there is no one that has established themselves as the premier pioneer people really and well, there's been no opportunity for it there's there's been no yeah exactly and so so that's like a big thing it, you know there's also is by the a way whole, i
0: think that's why they threw in in the previous announcement they did that they already have plans for a pioneer or pioneer like format coming to an arena, arena right? yeah I agree. It's not far sure. off. I told people. I said the fact that they're even saying that, it's we're probably going to see it in the next six months.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's not. There's not that many cards you need. It's the how they did Legacy, right? It's yeah. Like they didn't add every card in Legacy to, to to match the Gathering Online. They just added the most important 200 or whatever, and then every time a new deck showed up in paper that like didn't have cards in Legacy, they like quickly added it into packs.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. You know, I I think the other thing as players we have to accept is. New booster packs are also most relevant to Standard and Pioneer. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a big deal for Wizards of the Coast. It's actually a big deal for local retailers. So I would expect more stores are probably going to be trying, like, if you already have a modern community or whatever, you're probably just going to run that, like, right? saying, like,
1: well, I already
0: know I have people that play this. I know I can get good attendance. I can get my money back running the event. Let's do it. But mm-hmm. for a lot of these smaller to mid-sized stores that don't know that yet, or haven't really run any events because of covid you know like maybe they started right. in 2018 2019 don't have that history yet doing standard and pioneer are probably going to be their best bet for moving boosters getting people to come by singles whatever
2: the one the one thing that i think makes that a little untrue is the modern horizons and soon to be lord of the rings formula which is for a long time, Legacy existed, and so Wizards took Legacy's existence as a backup plan for conspiracy sets and, and Battle, Battle Bond, Bond sets. And like, oh, Battle Bond has value not only because it's Commander playable, but because you can play these in tournaments in Legacy. And then, and like, but if you look at especially the first three runs of the Commander product releases, that's also true there. That's where true name Nemesis and Scavenging News came from. And I. Not how do I think, I know <laughs> that Wizards is looking at Modern Horizons and all of these supplementary sets that they used to print for Legacy and is now looking at Modern as the home. Print. Correct. And that's why the Lord of the Rings set is Modern Legal. There's no reason for that yeah. to be true if that wasn't the case. And but but i agree with you that pioneer and modern are going to be the places that stores can make the most money because that's where single sales go to standard oh, yeah. singles and, are really and hard the other reality
0: build. of you can build a deck for standard and pioneer for like a hundred bucks right right get a quality tournament deck walk in walk out you can't necessarily do that in modern especially no. with a lot of the modern horizons cards being 30 and 40 dollars a chunk right? right like you're just not going to be able to do it now if you already own a modern deck or some modern cards yeah probably go yep. go spend one hundred, hundred fifty dollars, pick up the one or two play sets of stuff you're missing or whatever cool yep but you can definitely walk in and say like hey here's the deck list i want i'll come back and pick it up in 20 minutes or <laughs> whatever like here's 85 dollars. i can play standard now
2: yep now now the one the one interesting thing i think also of these tournament series coming back is you know you mentioned like you know making pioneer content stores going into that it, there's also going to be a new run of kind of like paper pros that hasn't really existed yeah. up to this point right like there will be high profile matches again with new people there will be new new paulos and new andrews and new new you know and like I mean we
0: were seeing that with the star city series that they right. were running there was there was teams of people that were known just for playing the star city series
2: Oh no, Zach Allen, who's you know been on the pod. Like Zach Allen's my favorite story because he was the number one ranked person in SCG in March 2020, and has been the number one ranked person on SCG's website for like two years now. Because well, yeah,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's like I'm the best player in the world according to SCG for two
0: years. <laughs> might as well um, own it. I would put that on a resume if I was yeah. applying for jobs. I happen to also be the number one ranked player in the series.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, two years running, there were there any other tournaments during that time? No.
0: <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't um, know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh. So. So I do think that's like an interesting feature to this is that like that's another for like for the first time in a four-year period the pendulum is about to swing a little bit in the the opposite direction from the casual side, which is oh, there's someone who's going to be able to say I'm the world champion, which hasn't happened. Yeah. Or and in a way that people understand because that I think that was the other problem which we didn't get too into was terminology for the whole MPL mythic championship where everything was called mythic and i couldn't tell you the difference between any of them as a person who's was being paid to know the difference between them um and i'm glad to be back to pro tour world championship regional qualifier and that's all i need to know
0: (laughs) i'll be honest the only reason i'm glad like the biggest reason i won't say the only reason the biggest reason i'm glad they're back to the pro tour name is so people just shut up about it Oh, like, yeah, that's fair. I mean, people are like, ah, but it's not called a pro tour or whatever. I'm like, I don't care. Just name it something that doesn't get confused with something else. That's yeah. all I, want. <laughs> I just want. I
2: want to easily be able to know that I'm saying the right thing.
0: And I, Exactly. Yeah. like <laughs> I don't need like mythic championship, mythic series, mythic qualifier, mythic. Like this is a regional qualifier. This is a regional championship qualifier, or whatever you want to call it. This is our regional championship. This is our pro tour. This is our world. Yep. That's it. That's yep. all, you only you to know about four events.
2: <laughs> That's like really nice. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the other thing, like the thing I'm glad about, uh, like similar note is I'm just glad something exists. I'm uh, sure. I'm glad that we're past the two year period where everyone was like, Wizards is canceling pro magic. Pro paper magic is never going to exist again. Magic is only commander now. And I'm like, every yeah. Wizards employee that has ever talked publicly about this has said, no, we are going to come up with something. We are in a global pandemic. Give us a second.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the part I never understood because Wizards in their own words even said, like, we want to do events again. We want there to be large things. We want to put more of the prize money that we were putting toward like MPLs and stuff into some of these other series. So the average person can have access to it and, you know, whatever. So they'd made those statements. It was just like, okay, let's just wait. Yeah. You know, the same reason they announced they signed a deal with uh, Post Malone that they're going to do something for stores to like encourage people to go to FMs or whatever. Right. We'll see when it happens. Like they've, they've already dedicated to it. I'm sure he's not cheap to do a giant promote worldwide promotional thing. Right. (laughs) They'll they'll get there. People
2: were like mad about it as like, I was like canceling my New York toy fair booth for the third time because they kept trying to schedule something and canceling in the last minute. I'm like, no, anyone who's making events right now is failing. (laughs) There's like a few that get lucky that they like happen to be in August. And that happens to be like the two month window where COVID was down that year, (laughs) but like, otherwise I'm, I'm glad it's back. I like, I'm super excited. I'm excited to watch it. I'm glad there's going to be coverage. I'm excited to see what type of content comes from it. I'm excited to see which new players spike up and, and do really well in it. And, and yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's really exciting.
0: I mean, the biggest thing is we actually saw a day where like 90% plus of the magic community was positive. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, literally Everybody's excited. All the YouTube videos where people singing the praises, like people were excited in chats coming to all the streams. And I'm like, awesome this won't last more than a day, but I'm going to enjoy this day. (laughs)
2: And then something with Shakashima and Kark happened. And now everyone's mad again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It
0: it lasted a day. We had, we had our time. We enjoyed it. And then that was it.
2: Yeah. Now we get to go to preview season where I get to learn, you know, I'm just going to put on a Xander cosplay at some point in the next 24 hours. And there'll be preview. Oh, I guess there, I guess that. Oh, okay. As, as, as we get to the wrap up, uh, there will be a preview card on the 10th. I don't, it'll be on this channel uh, and my TikTok. So both of those places. Oh, well, that reminds uh, me. I have a
0: box from Words of the Coast behind me right now that I got to open and do a video for. I
2: know that's for Nuka oh, Penna. It's, it's, I'm excited. This set's dope.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I like this year. I mean, I, when we get to the Brothers War, I feel like that's where I'm going to be less excited, which is sad because it should hit me right in the nostalgic land. Mm-hmm. But I think the... Actually, really, Dominaria is the one I... And when I think about the year, I just literally remember Dominaria. It keeps slipping my mind. And I think it's because... Kamagawa has been so evocative and all the bright colors and the lights and whatever. And then everything we've seen already from Nuka Penna is like the artsy glass and the 20s feel and the suits. And, you know, and then it's kind of like and then we're just going to have Dominaria and the Brothers War again. It's like, uh, you, we'll, we'll see what we could do with it, because we just did Dominaria a couple years ago. It's like, right. right. I feel like was it three years removed? Like, this is not this doesn't feel like that long. I feel like yeah. we could have done a little longer.
2: I I will say like because now we're just rant going into the different conversations, but the the one thing I liked about like there's parts of issues I have with Val and, and and Shadows and the whole Innistrad return, yeah. but but I like I like the model of two sets that are back to back, like a, a block, like a, a pseudo mm-hmm. return to blocks where you get to tell a story over two moments and you get to kind of continue something and then. Two sets that are just like one and done. Here's a new world. Here's a bunch of cool stuff. Check out this world building, and then and then maybe we'll come back here one day. And I like. I think I like the hybrid of both. I like that we're going to do like I Dominaria gotcha. and the Brothers War, where it's like two years on Domin or two sets in Dominaria with tie-ins together, and then hopefully next winter we go to somewhere cool new, and then somewhere cool new, and then we go to New Phyrexia for two sets, and then we. Uh, that's what I'm hoping is like what the world looks like because I do. Gotcha. I don't. I don't, I didn't love blocks were bad as much as I'm nostalgic for them. Like three years in the same set in like eventually one of those sets is just boring. And then a, every single set being a whiplash of a new place you're going to, especially when like, that also means like, oh, we don't get to test out these mechanics for six months. We test them out for three months. And so you get like Ikoria where companion exists.
0: Yeah. That to (laughs) me is, is the bigger issue of just like, I like a theme comes out in a set, and if somebody built, like, let's say somebody built a vampires deck or whatever, right? Actually, even better, a werewolf deck because that's more specific to to Innistrad. Like, there's going to be no more werewolves. Yep. you're done for the foreseeable future for another, I don't know, three, four, five years, right? Mm-hmm. So, if somebody's new starts out builds a werewolf deck, they don't get anything, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of like a downside for them. Yeah. Like now, I did have a cool idea. I was like, what if we took 10 cards, maybe 15 cards, just as an extra subset in every release? And they're there just specifically to fill in gaps for the last couple of sets worth of mechanics or creatures or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, they don't, they could maybe artwork is themed. It doesn't have to be. It's because really, I had this thought, and this is where the reason it came up is like, when was the last time we had like quality merfolks for people to add to their merfolk decks? Like, I genuinely had a hard time remembering. I was like, was it Ixalon?
1: Uh, like, I, there was one
0: there was one in uh Zindakar that steals artifacts or whatever, like the two yeah. one that five. Modern,
2: Modern, Modern horizon sets, right? Like that's for, for older formats you get, sure, you get sure. the, the and then well, th- that's kind of the one of the problems with like corsets going away again, because that's what corsets were for a long mm-hmm. time. Was like, oh, and like they did it right. Like, oh, there's a dinosaur set at the the corset right after Ixalan is about to rotate. Let's add some like three dope dinosaurs. Exactly. that are, Like we're too powerful to have in standard the whole time. Dinosaur tribal was there, but for that last three months, here's a two mana dinosaur that makes every dinosaur three cheaper and draws you eight cards yeah. if you have a dinosaur or something. Right. So like that card doesn't exist but
0: <laughs> well i know what you're saying though like yeah. just give them that little bit like toss them a bone for one, you know just and honestly it's a reason for more of your players to buy more sets like, yeah. that, or go pick up more singles or whatever like yeah it'll probably never happen but that's that's my solution for it well,
2: and i, I <laughs> yeah i think i think they're like sometimes they do a good job right like i think that was You know why like we're going to see spirits a lot for a year we're going to see we're going to see vampires a lot for a year they're going to feed in some of the themes from Innistrad as much as they can but you're right like there's just some stuff that doesn't work we're we're not going to get any more shrines we're not going to get any more werewolves
0: werewolves. hell there were no clerics in Kamigawa yeah like just not a thing it's like okay (laughs) the party
2: mechanic will be cool one day right uh (laughs) (laughs)
0: like like, we had i saw that people were excited because i guess they alchemy uh, buffed up uh the land that comes into play tapped randomly and i literally remember looking at this going like why the hell does this even come into play tapped yep like what was the busted thing i I was gonna do with this card (laughs) or the dungeon that they had that had like that dungeon card whatever it is the one that like comes into play tapped and you have to pay four and you have to like get rid of or tap a legendary with it and what i was like it's the land that has like five drawbacks
2: i do think dungeon and all of innistrad i think all of innistrad was a response to oko
0: oh for sure Or that whole last year of magic yeah yeah the whole last yeah yeah. like like
2: the 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 blood's total flop i think was a direct relation like a direct like u-turn left turn from the like explosion of food because i think they saw food thought it was mediocre or thought i was like oh this is cute it can't be that bad and then like broke multiple formats at multiple levels and then at the moment that that launched the two-year cycle they were literally developing innistrad and they're like okay we're gonna
0: do another one but let's not put it on any good cards <laughs> food was so good because it was like just having access to a pile of life was also amazing mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. and the cards it was on weren't necessarily terrible cards either well i think i think <laughs> that was part of it right and, and like yeah. life
2: gain is that weird ability where like life gain is bad if it is on its own but the moment that life gain is accidentally attached to other things it becomes yeah. oppressive it's why sphinx's revelation is so much better than blue sun zenith it's the reason that um Baneslayer Angel was so busted. It wasn't like yeah. it was like not only does your thing beat everything in the air that hit me for five, but then anything I've done for you over the last three turns is negated. Pretty much. Yeah. And and like but if it was just like gain five life for for five or one, it would seem maybe play as exactly. a card against burn. Uh, so it it it's like really I think hard to balance life gain specifically. I think like life gain is underrated as one of the best keywords a creature can have, and food is another example of that. Right where like you would think blood would be scarier. Looting has been way more powerful historically than gain three life, but not even. I think far. the
0: difference is too the things we could do with food or the cards that required food were better than the cards that required blood or at least uh, more specifically were better than the cards that required blood in their respective standard formats.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think part of that is also a response, right? Like they, they were more afraid of blood than they were of food where they were like, Oh, life gain artifact. That doesn't do anything. Let's put that on just like this good card. And so then it does something or like, Oh, we need to come up with uses for it. And then they realized by they got the blood is like, Oh no, an artifact token on its own is valuable. Like Oko is seeing play in affinity because just making extra food tokens was good enough to turn on Mox Opal. So it just, oh, they'll just make blood. We don't have to give any like uses to this blood tokens. And they went too far in the in the exact opposite yeah, direction. If I, if I
0: could make any one plea, it's just no more board sweepers right now. Like in standard? Yeah, we just have so many right now. Like there's no more. Let's take two sets off. <laughs> All right. Even <laughs> if if we wait till rotation. There's because I think I did the math the other day. There was like, I think it was like either 12 or 13 playable ones. And then another like four or five that are kind of situational.
1: Sure. I was like,
0: like, this is crazy. Like way too many, way too many. And then we got farewell for no good reason. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. (laughs)
2: It, it's 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 really interesting to just watch how wizard swings back and forth on that kind of stuff, yeah. right? There's like years real ago. We're like, why is there? There's not a board wipe under six mana. How do I kill creatures in this format? And now we're in a mode where it's like, how do I keep a creature in play for more than.
0: Yeah. Doomscar scar fell. Well, yeah. hook massacre that has all the bonus words for no reason. Like, you know, like oh, just,
2: it's insane that that's like I looked up like most expensive cards in modern recently, and it's that card is on the list in the top. Yeah, Masker is crazy.
1: $80 and, card. Yeah. <sighs>
0: and that's the other thing I was also trying to warn people about. Like, if there's something people could take away from this, is that with the announcement of the organized play thing, I would really take a look at the standard pioneer modern decks that are being played right now. And if you're thinking about any of them, go buy the singles today. Because especially right now, like we're talking about Meat Hook Massacre, it's in a bunch of decks. And you're talking about like Esper Control, Mono Black stuff, like they're all playing it. And it's already, you know, a forty dollar card or whatever. Right? It's not gonna get cheaper once everybody starts going to these regional qualifiers at people's stores or whatever. Right. I will, or
2: I will say, I mean, from a this podcast, I guess, perspective, with Meat Hook Hook Massacre, the the these types of tournaments are starting in July. So rotation would be within two months of it starting so but it's is from little
0: it's from innistrad though it's still going to be standard legal for all the year
2: innistrad mm-hmm. this is how much i know what's going on in standard yeah that's
0: what i'm saying like these cards ain't going nowhere the yeah, wandering well, emperors in a bunch of decks buy those cards <laughs> yeah mantra wandering emperors in a bunch of decks it's going to be around for a long time right there's a bunch of these cards that i think people are hell Goldspan Dragon's at least going to be on its way out. So you have yeah. you have that like it's an expensive card, but it's only going to be in these tournaments for like five months or whatever. Four yeah, I guess, I guess I guess so. to
2: my point, if you're going to be investing in standard, look at stuff like Meat Hood Massacre, which isn't rotating in September. Yeah. because This starts in July. So there is a rotation. Meat, Meat Hood Massacre is just the worst example I could have chosen. Uh, yeah,
0: there's, but- there's some cards, though, that are definitely pricier than I think the average player thinks they are, because you've probably just been playing on Arena You maybe bought a couple of booster boxes and you just set your singles aside because you haven't been playing. But, yeah, if there's something you're even thinking you want to build that you like, I would probably buy sooner rather than later.
2: And and more, almost more importantly, Pioneer is the place that I would say, like, now is the time to buy Pioneer cards because... That format will be pushed at least for the next two years. Like it, it's going to take a lot longer for that. Like Wizards is going to try again. And that is going to be a two to four year period to sure. try and get Pioneer to succeed. There's no reason that won't succeed. Like it, it is a format that should exist. And as soon as it succeeds, those staples will no longer be easy to get your hands on. And already they're going to be more expensive than they were three weeks ago. And yeah. and y- your statement, like you could buy a good top tier pioneer deck for hundred dollars. That won't be true. Come oh, to- I agree uh realistically
0: by the time you see the tournament results you're going to be behind everybody else Mm -hmm. like you can't wait for the next big turn. you kind of almost are going to have to say okay what all the cards are big right now like now admittedly there will be something else or some other deck comes along or whatever but you're going to have to make that educated guess or end up paying you know two or three x what you could pay for today
2: and there is like you know follow the rules of modern right buy some buy the lands there's there's the lands that are good buy the, um, like. The two drop, two drop, good in every deck. Creatures by the Tarmogoyf, and the Stoneforge Mystic, and the Dark Confidant, and the whatever, is because those will modulate into different decks. Th- not those specific cards, because they're different for Pioneer. This is me speaking, not knowing what the metagame in Pioneer is at all. But there are cards that are translating into different decks. by Thought Luckily, you're a master of a Modern listener, so the chances that you don't already have your Thought playlist is hopefully low. <laughs> but buy your Thought because that I know for sure is a Pioneer staple. <laughs> so like, look at. The modular cards don't don't buy into the like really expensive, especially if they're in standard. The really expensive standard deck defining cards. Buy the cards that are in like six decks because those are the ones that no matter what the metagame sh- shapes itself to be, it'll end up there. Collected company. Pioneer, I might
0: even look at a lot of stuff that's in the like dollar fifty two dollar range, right? Mm-hmm. That just peer in a lot of decks because those are cards oh, yeah. that will eventually end up being four five six eight dollar cards. And you're not going to break the bank buying those if they happen to get reprinted or something, right? You'll only be out seventy five cents. You'll be out a buck. It's not going to be that big a deal. But there's stuff like, I don't know, a card. I'm just thinking of like Boros Charm that gets played a bunch and is in a bunch of decks. But it's like it's a buck fifty or whatever. Like you can pick that up with no problem. Like yeah. you won't break the bank getting a play set. And if the decks it's in get hot and stay hot, then great. You you now have a five dollar card. <laughs> if it oh, doesn't, yeah. you're only out your six bucks.
2: No, there, there's like. All the applications that we've like on this podcast at many times on how to buy into modern, you could apply that to Pioneer. But now you get like to be ahead of the game by three months. And there isn't a yeah. modern horizons barrier where you're like out the gate. There's an $80 staple or out the gate. There's solitude, which is a $60 staple. So so it's definitely a good time to buy to buy into Pioneer that that is we are now running out of time. Uh, uh. I want to first off, thank you so much for joining today.
0: Hey, man, it was fun. Like I told you, I could talk about this stuff all day.
2: I know. I like literally, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like now 1030. So <laughs> <laughs> so Thank you so much. Uh, where can people find you on the Internet? Where uh, What's the best place to, to find you online?
0: Yeah, I would say mostly on YouTube, uh, but at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. But you can follow me over on Twitter and you can find my podcast, Color of Magic, pretty much everywhere you can download podcasts.
2: Awesome. And uh big shout out to our sponsors, ultra pro and ultra sleeves. If you go to ultra and use the code, the MM cast, you get uh, some amount of percentage off. I think it's 5%. Uh, it's new. So I don't know that number off the top of my head, but also there's like a list of cool cards that we've recommended and we will be coming out with a cool patron exclusive card very shortly. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, by the time I am on this podcast next, I will probably have a kid, which is going to be weird. So, Keep an eye out for that. Uh, I also we I do have a preview card. Um, I'll be posting that on this channel and on TikTok uh, on the tenth, uh, April tenth. Uh, so that is on Saturday, which is also the due date of the child. So that's going to be an interesting day for me, uh, as well Tell as the kid uh, to hang
0: on till the evening.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. 9 a.m. Please, I need to stuff. I need to post off the Reddit that day. (laughs) Um, I also, uh, I believe you just mentioned you're getting one of those, uh, one of the boxes from Wizards. I think I have that in line as well. So I'll be posting that at some point this week. And uh, thank you. Shout out to all our patrons. Thank you for making this happen. If you aren't a patron, you get an entire extra 20 minutes. uh, This episode was recorded, but around 10 10 to 20 minutes every episode of bonus extra content. We talked about the Academy Awards, we talked about Specifically, things that happened at the Academy Awards. We talked about uh, a
0: bunch of different stuff, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a
2: good, it's a good, it's a good, like when you aim for 10 minutes and then you get to 20 minutes, it means it's a great combo. So that's exclusive to patrons. So if you want that, it's available there that comes out a week early. You get the whole episode, uh, si- uh six days early. Normally this week, it was four days because we recorded this on Friday because the announcement was on Thursday. Uh, the episode also comes out a day early on the, on the Patreon. So if it comes out on Tuesdays on YouTube, it comes out on Patreon on Monday. So you get all the extra early content, dope deck lists, whatever we're talking about, you get to get ahead of the whole game. Uh, and then we also do uh Monday night commander. So make sure to check that out every Monday night at 7 30 PM. PM. Once again, Dupont, thank you so much for joining. Make sure everyone to find Power Dragon online, and we'll talk to you uh, next week.
1: This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.